Welcome to another edition of the Fight Talk podcast. Uh, it's your it's your boy John Mosley. Everybody calls me Mos. Joined as always uh, on well, you know him better than I. Uh, Stephen Jensen here. We're going to be talking about a little bit of last weekend show, uh, a little bit of the preview for two fifty five, and then a little bit of news with Fabricio Verdum. But uh, before we get into everything, man, uh, pretty good weekend once again. I think it's the uh, the kind of the running joke is a lot a lot more wrestling and more mma per use yeah man uh me and Moses just talked for like two hours about indie wrestling before we started recording this so uh so yeah for y'all listening now big weekend for <clears throat> big weekend for indie wrestling as it has been for <clears throat> which i clear my throat as it has been for uh pretty much every every weekend now i feel like there's good stuff on independentwrestling.tv and uh, just, just good wrestling in general, a lot of MMA and yeah, man, it's been, it's been good. And then of course, football, like I got my Minnesota Vikings playing tonight, Monday night, prime time. We need prime time. Kirk Cousins to show up, make a couple plays. Yeah. The win. Uh, but yeah, man, how was, how was your weekend? As if I didn't already know from talking to you for the last two hours. <laughs> man, it was good. We were, I was over kind of in your neck of the woods Friday and then, uh, Back down Chattanooga Saturday, um, working on some uh, some videos for for Killer Be Kill Brett Ison coming out in the next week or two. So uh, busy man, but uh, definitely found some time. I wasn't able to watch everything live Saturday, but went back and uh, did my due diligence uh, on this past weekend's fight night card. But before that, the the big news of the day of the well of the week, I guess so far. Uh, breaking right before we got on here, uh, Fabricio Verdum officially signing a deal to compete in the Pro Fight League's 2021 season. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this this news come out, man? I was pretty surprised because I was really pretty sure he was going to go to Bellator, especially because there's the rematch between him and Fedor that they've talked about doing, and Verdum would be an immediate title challenger. Ryan Bader currently holding that title. Verdum, actually, I think would fare really well against the Ali Bader. So, or potentially, you know, I, I think I'd probably pick him to beat Bader. So, um, so yeah, but PFL is an amazing option for fighters who are willing to stay active throughout the year, which Verdum said he wanted to. And you can win a million dollars, which is more than Verdum. Now, like collectively, I, I don't know if Verdum fought for the UFC you know, I don't know what he was getting paid per fight. You know, I, I, I'm going to assume maybe two to three hundred thousand per fight. I just to, a total guess. If that was the case, like he could, you know, make over a million dollars a year fighting, um, you know, if he was staying active. But at the end of the day, though, you also kind of have to factor in like that million dollars with for doom, like. He's still going to get paid per fight by the PFL. I don't know what his per fight will be. It's not like they fight for free and just one person gets a million dollars at the end. So he is still gonna, he's going to get that. He'll get his sponsors back. Um, that'll be huge. And he would have got that with Bellator too. But just being outside the UFC, he's going to get all these sponsors back. And there's going to be a lot of... And, and of course, he's going to most likely be competition that's not as difficult than you know who was fighting the UFC. We're just being honest. There's good fighters in PFL at all the weight classes, but it's by it's obviously not going to be as deep as the the legends that he's fighting over and over again in the UFC. So, um, so I think it's a really really smart move for for Verdum. It's something where, unless like they sign some 
you know, make another huge signing at heavyweight. Like I can't imagine any free agent that I know of that I think Purdue is going to have any issue with in the PFL. No, I'm with you. I thought it was, you know, especially his comment, he wanted to, he wanted to fight or he wants to fight. I should say four to five times a year. Uh, I was doing just a little bit of digging as quick as I could about your, you know, the payout for, for doom. And it looks like uh, I'm just looking at his fights kind of, you know, looking from UFC 203 on, and uh, and, and even before that, the the Stipe Miocic loss back in uh, UFC 198, he made over half a mil that fight alone. Since then, anywhere between, you know, let's say let's round that up a little, little bit and say, you know, his lowest fight purse it looks to be about a hundred thou, a hundred fifteen thou, somewhere in there, and then. His highest purse since then is up there north of four hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, no doubt that the million dollar, you know, that that's a very big, uh, a big goal to have. But this is a guy used to, uh, and this isn't, this isn't, you know, we we joke about, uh, we joke about the, the the how much these fighters get paid now because a lot of them is a joke. But uh, roughly up until, you know, his his uh, his fight on the fight night card where he beat Gustafson. Uh, career earnings in the UFC uh, north of 4.5 mil, bro. Yeah, and I believe it for someone like him because, you know, former champion, uh, he came, I mean, he had multiple stints in the UFC, but <clears throat> when he, you know, after he left the UFC, beat Fedor, came back and wound up beating Cain Velasquez for the UFC heavyweight title, like, he is so while he was the champion, he was definitely making more that at that period as well. Like just that's just how it works. Like if you're the champion, your contract is different. You're getting a, a bigger pay. Uh, you're getting payout, but you're also getting pay per view points and and that kind of stuff as well. So like, yeah, it's one of those things too where like it would it totally makes sense that Verdum would be on that level, especially with the ra- the name recognition that he he was making really good money. Um, and so that, that really kind of just proves both of our points. Like that totally makes sense. But then we also have to think of like why the PFL is so attractive to like, you know, fighters that would want to go in there and fight someone like Verdum, because, you know, some of these people are probably making like, once again, these just total guesses, but there's probably someone that Verdum's going to fight. I don't know who is going to fight by the way, no clue, but hypothetically speaking, it could be a, a fighter who was getting paid ten or twenty thousand dollars per fight or something like that, who now has an opportunity to potentially win a million dollars. You know, like that's oh, yeah. that's huge. No, no, it is. I mean, it's it, it's the it's the dream, right? You you feel confident you can go in there and win a, a million dollars by doing you know doing living your dream. That that that's it doesn't get much better than that. I'm excited to see what happens. It's for sure a name for. Maybe, you know, even if you draw even a, just a small section of fans over that are just wanting to see Verdun, that in itself is, is good for the product. So, uh, well, and they've got Rory McDonald too. I yeah. Mean, I mean, Rory. So it, this, this brand, I mean, it's, it's almost what we say about in wrestling too. It's so hard to think of a competitor for the UFC, this top, you know, the tippy top. Uh, so I won't go that far, but this, that's that, those two names alone have me very interested uh, in what they've got coming out next year assuming COVID allows us to have fun yeah yeah for sure and i want to give a shout out to kayla harrison because she's yes. she's, she's put the whole company on her back like she's 
obviously the big comparison would be like Ronda Rousey. And I get that, you know, but like to me, I mean, I guess it is kind of similar, like to be honest, but it's, I feel like Ronda Rousey has a really negative stigma to her name. You know, like people kind of, after she started losing people in the way that she, in the way that she handled it, like people really soured on her. So I don't really like comparing Kayla to her because like we haven't, we definitely haven't seen that at all because Kayla's just been winning. But Kayla is somebody that I think like, man, because I think she fights at 155 still. So there's no, I mean, hypothetically speaking, she could fight at 145. I, I would imagine. So I guess my point is she's, she has like the best case scenario in PFL right now. Cause she fights at a weight that no other woman that like, no, there, there's no UFC women's division at that weight, you know? So it's like, there's, uh, she, she, she's able to like be the face of a company fighting women that are like, you know, pretty good. But what I, like, I'd love to see her fighting like someone like Amanda Nunez. Like that would be incredible to, to watch something like that because the other comparison that you get with Rousey and and um, and Kayla Harrison is uh, both of them are like judo and in, in submission experts, you know. So like it, it creates this dynamic where Kayla Harrison's going in there and just like ragdolling these chicks and just throwing them in arm bars and stuff. And but like what happens like if she fought like a Nunez or like a Cyborg or like something like that, like that. Those are like the those are the fights I think people would really, really care about. It would make her like a massive star, especially if she could win some of those fights. But she has a really great situation in the PFL. You know, like she's she's kind of got, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those oh, things I where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I love I love seeing what she's doing and I love that she's the face of that company. But like she could be like a massive MMA star if she was fighting in the UFC. Yeah, no, it's that again the loyalty there, and and yeah, man, that when you are able to to without a doubt be um, you know be the face of, of of some of a company, let alone someone in this position where you know the hope there, and as a fight fan, right, you, you're hoping that maybe there's a little more stroke, a little more uh, momentum behind the PFL. Plus, I mean, she's thirty, so you know we we, we love that. That around 35 right is where you really feel like there's some strides taken that feels like they're really that ripe age we can hear you know joe rogan or anyone over uh saying on commentary how that's really really where you're getting your prime in fighting is is kind of where she's coming into now so maybe she rides us out for a year or two and then and then we do see her in the octagon yeah yeah i i mean the sky's really the limit for her because you know because I believe I think she fights at 155. I'm almost positive that's the weight class. Um, so it's like they who do you really? It's 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 like a double edged sword because like who do you really go out and find who's that weight who can compete with her in the PFL? Like I don't know if you can. Like I don't know yeah. if that exists. Yeah. Um, in the UFC, that weight class isn't there either. But, like, there's the potential of someone with, like, the skill level of, like, an Amanda Nunez. Um, oh, or, I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, and not just Nunez. I mean, like, there's there's women like Megan Anderson and and uh, Felicia Spencer. And, like, there's there's women that, like, you know, they may cut a little weight to get to 145. 
you know, maybe they maybe they would be better fighters at 155. And you can see those kind of fights. So, I mean, Kayla Harrison really, I mean, if depending on how successful she is, I mean, she's already won the uh, the PFL tournament, I think twice. So she, uh, like, she, ba- like, she, like, she's, if she becomes big enough, which she kind of is trending that direction already, I could see her potentially being the reason why they create that weight class in the UFC and, and bring her over, like, really similar to what they did with Cyborg when they started women's fly or featherweight because they had Cyborg under contract. So they're like, well, she wants to fight at 145. Let's make this belt to 145. And this, through crazy circumstances, Jermaine Durandamy wound up being the first champion and beat Holly Holm for it. But then eventually Cyborg got that belt when Durandamy refused to fight her, essentially. So the point being, they created a whole weight class for Ronda Rousey. They created a whole weight class for Chris Cyborg. And, you know, is Kayla Harrison worth building a weight class around? Is there enough talent that would be willing to fight at 155 to fight her? Um, and if there is, that's a that's an interesting question to ask, I think. No, it is. Yeah, absolutely interesting question. And there's a, even if it's just a, a few, a couple, a handful of fights there, uh, I think there's money to be made there. And that's something the UFC likes. You know, the, you can tap into that market of uh, of the, the same crowd that maybe even if they don't know uh, Kayla, they're, they're going to there's just a lot to like there. So. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Again, uh, very interested interested to see what uh, what twenty twenty one brings us with the PFL. Um, as far as this last weekend, though, you somehow, some way, maybe they heard us talking. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I can't prove anything, <laughs> so I can't. I it's all it's all hearsay at this point. But you you talk about Paul Felder hopping in this this main event, and all of a sudden Paul Felder is hopping in this main event and fighting a lightweight against RDA, really saving this show. As you're, you pointed out, you know there was not a, a lot to latch on to. Uh, we get this big main event. It ends up being a split decision win for Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, how about this, this five-round fight? And again, just the, uh, the Paul Felderness to, to hop in here on five days' notice. Dude, I was, <clears throat> I was surprised, like, that they went with Felder, like, that was something that I, I just threw out there as like uh, this would make sense on the show, and I don't think that they listened obviously, but it's one of those things where I was like, holy shit, they actually chose Paul Felder, um, and, they, and and it made sense. It was the only thing that I wasn't right about is I figured they do it at welterweight, but <clears throat> but they, I mean Felder, what a badass! Like that dude said he was weighing like 180 pounds when he got the call and dropped down to 155 made the weight, fought five rounds. Split decision was bullshit. Even Paul Felder will say that. Like, that judge who gave Felder two rounds, or sorry, gave Felder three rounds, like, because the, the judge actually scored the fight 47-48 for Felder. Um, when yep. the judge read that score out, Felder himself, like, had this look on his face, like, what the fuck? And, like, kind of, like, looked over at RDA, like, uh, I, like, I don't know how that, like, even Felder didn't believe it. So... But that all being said, Paul Felder is a motherfucking badass. Like, for taking this fight on five days' notice, for going in there and fighting for five rounds against a guy who's still top level in RDA, you, you can't. And he also lost his father recently, and like his his walkout song was a tribute to him. It was emotional, you know. It's like this dude 
was supposed to be commentating the show and said he was main eventing in the cage. Well, I mean, that's great. Mm. Before the show, during the, the um, ESPN pre-fight show, he still did some of his commentary duties. He was on there. Um, he, I believe he was talking to Karen, Karen Bryant. And um, while they were talking, Felder is breaking down his fight like an analyst, but he's talking about his own fight with RDA. So it, it was wild because he's he's sitting there like, yeah, so in like the main event, you know, RDA might go for a takedown. He has really good jujitsu. He could do this and that. Like, I like to stand. But so he's like analyzing his own main event fight for that <laughs> night, which was like just this wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, huge shout out to Paul Felder. I mean, and RDA won the fight. Um, I did predict on Twitter. I did take RDA for this. Um, I did. My predictions sucked overall for the night, but I was right for the main event. Um, and <clears throat> and RDA. I mean that's that's huge because because <clears throat> Felder was ranked a seven going into this fight and RDA coming back to lightweight just got himself right back into the mix so uh, great for RDA great for Felder um, I don't know if you heard his post fight interview Mo's I'm sure you loved that if you did I, I, but if you I haven't I'll, I'll, what did you about the um, making weight and all that Yeah yeah man yeah yeah so that was that was incredible stuff like Paul Felder fucking wins <clears throat> and basically. Just cuts a promo. Oh, sorry, Paul Felder loses, and then cuts a promo when he's talking to Michael Bisbing, and literally just, I mean, basically, yeah, and this, yeah, just like I made weight in five days' notice. Get your shit together. If you guys aren't made, because this fight, this whole card, by the way, was only nine fights because they lost, yeah. they lost Eric Anders and Louis Smolka the day of, basically. So, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, really know what to say. Had. We had two catch weights on that actually did happen, and then yeah, uh, uh, Abdul Al Hassan, Eric Anders, Smolka, Smolka all missed weight. Um, of course, Al Hassan wound up fighting and losing really quickly, which we're about to talk to. But again, to the point though of uh, of just uh, you know you can't show up and miss weight. That's that's step one. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this fight? Like. Do you think that RDA was pretty dominant, or like what oh, are your yeah, thoughts no, on Felder? I, I thought again, there's no, uh, there's no better way to sum it up than what than you what you pointed out with with Paul when his reaction to the the split decision. Uh, I think that was all of us. As much as we, you know, you got to look at it honestly, and it was. It felt RDA uh, should have been a unanimous decision win. Um, the fact that it split, whatever, whatever, uh, at the end of the day, Felder took this with no time um, against, and like he said, someone that Felder likes to stand, RDA, we know him more for his his grappling, his, his technical side, so uh, it wasn't necessarily the best matchup that showed, and he still took it, uh, made weight, which, yeah, very important. Uh, so, again, he lost the fight, but, he, you know, the, the legacy of Paul Felder, if anything, it's like, it, it's actually very fitting it's it's a cowboy move, right? Your, your legacy actually adds a chapter and a loss. Yeah, and he made it clear afterwards that he's not retired. Like, he's yes. going to keep fighting. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And rightfully so. Again, uh, he, he lost the fight, but uh, <clears throat> game as they come, BMF as always. Uh, damn good, you know, damn good way to end the night with, with Paul Felder. Anytime you've got him on there, I'm on the uh, – the, uh, when it comes to RDA, um, you know, he's not ranked right in the lightweight division. Uh, what, you know, what is it just 
kind of climb back up? I mean, what's what's kind of the thought right now for for Dos Anjos? <clears throat> it's going to be really interesting. Sorry, I keep clearing my throat, y'all. I <clears throat> I don't know if it's allergies or what. It's like something caught in my throat. I burned my fucking tongue, by the way, the other day on oh, some no. soup. On some Ugh. soup, just hot soup. This eviscerated my tongue. Um, so I might I might even have a little bit of a lisp right now if you're listening. But <laughs> um, yeah, getting all fucked up over here. But yeah, fucking uh, RDA. I'd say that you got to rank him number seven now. Like if yep. Paul Felder was seven. You put RDA in that spot and drop Felder down to number eight. So it doesn't really hurt Felder that much any either. Like, he's still going to keep getting big fights. And it's really interesting right now at uh, at lightweight. If Habib is actually retired, which, I mean, I, he was very convincing the night of. But I, I kind of feel like he might not be done. I feel, and the reason I say that is because Poirier versus Connor. That still isn't official, right? Like, right. it's still... And I believe Poirier signed, but Connor still hasn't. And my, I have to believe that has to do with Habib. Because uh, Connor's going to want this to be for the title if Habib's not fighting. And Poirier probably doesn't care either way. He's going to get a huge payday. So, like, I mean, I'm sure he cares about being the champion. Like, Poirier's, like, that's why he, a big reason why he fights. Like, he wants to be the champion. But... You know what I'm saying? I think Poirier wants to fight Connor either way. Um, Connor's probably like, well, why can't, why is this not for the belt? Like, is Habib not done? Because if he's done, he needs to vacate. Yep. And I'm, this is all just speculation, by the way. But it's just one of those things. It's like, so anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Habib is gone when I say yeah, this, these things. Um. So I mean, you got to do Ferguson. Oh, sorry, sorry. You got to do Poirier and. Um, and Connor for the belt. That's that's the title fight. And RDA after the win over Felder called out Connor. And I'm not. I don't think that RDA can jump the line because there's just so many killers uh, ahead of him right now in the rankings. And he just now came back to the weight class. But a point that he made <clears throat> that was really interesting, and I agree with to an extent, was he said it should be me and Connor instead of me and Poirier, basically because. Connor versus RDA, they're the only two actual champions currently in that mix that have actually been the the actual UFC lightweight champion. Uh, Poirier was an interim, Ferguson was an interim, and Gaethje was an interim. So, like, from that perspective, it's kind of like, that is interesting to market that. Like, the the two true champions that are left in that division fight for the new, fight to decide the new champion like that you know what i'm saying like there is like that case that can't i don't think it trumps the rankings because i think that there's better fighters ahead of rda but there's at least like that little side of it where i'm like that kind of made a little bit of sense you know what i mean oh no absolutely yeah it's it's um going back to the fight quickly it's it's what i expected as much as i wanted felder to I wanted him to catch him. I wanted RDA to do this and that, or to do to RDA this and that. It's what I thought would happen. So because of that, I think it tells me RDA, yeah, man, we got to give him a challenge. We got to give him something. I don't think he skips the line. Again, you're on the money on that. I, I don't think that's there. It's just that fight. Uh, there's there's many others that I want ahead of that and I think are more worthy. But um, with the history there and with words said, I mean – we all know when it comes to Connor, he's going to do what Connor wants to do. It doesn't really matter 
what the UFC wants, what anybody else wants. It's going to be, does Conor McGregor want that fight? I don't, I don't think he does. I think he's looking for, for something else, any more money. I think, I think we're on the same page that maybe the end game there is, is Connor and Nate for big, big bucks. Yeah. I mean, there's that. It's always going to be lingering out there. Um, they could, they could not fight for 10 years and people would still buy that pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. When, especially if Nick actually gets back yes. in the mix, because Nick and Connor is like, that's the fight for me at least. But that's also the thing with Connor. He's such a wild card. He's like, he could wind up winning the lightweight championship and then just want to fight a welterweight and like, yep. the, you know, and or and retire whatever. again or try to get in boxing again. There, it's it's there's so much many question marks at light with 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 PB with with Connor and and still, you know, we don't know anything's official, but circulating swirling that maybe it's Michael Chandler and El Kakui. That could be a possibility, and Michael Chandler's the name that if you come in here and, and hypothetically beat Tony Ferguson, I mean, that that's a statement and a half in itself. Yeah, I think whoever wins that should get next. Like, whoever, I think Poirier and Connor determines the champion, and the winner of Ferguson and Chandler gets the next title shot. Um, because oh, that... Because that's that's really throwing Chandler into the fire. Like if if Ferguson goes out there and smokes him, people are gonna be like, "Well, Chandler was overrated." And blah blah blah. Yep. If that happens, um, but it's also like, okay, well, Ferguson also it really wouldn't matter who it is. Like because Ferguson was already right there. It's just the one loss to Gaethje. Outside of that, it's like thirteen in a row or whatever the fuck. Like he's still very much a title challenger, regardless. So it could be Michael Chandler. It could be Gregor Gillespie. It could be anybody. Like if if Ferguson wins a fight, he's probably getting it. He probably should get a title shot. Agreed. Um, So if he does it to Michael Chandler, it helps Ferguson's cause. If Chandler beats Ferguson because of everything I've just said, Chandler just skips the line because he's a fresh face who hasn't had a shot yet, who they can market as the former Bellator champion and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I think that's exactly what they should do. And basically, in that in the top eight, if you're including Michael Chandler as we'll just say Michael Chandler's number eight because yeah, I'm you cool know with that. he's unranked. If you have it set up to where I mean the top eight, you're gonna have we'll say Chandler and Ferguson. We'll have RDA. So like Oliveira, maybe RDA Oliveira. I mean that'd be stylistically that would make sense. That makes sense. Um, the only problem with it is like Oliveira. I feel like Oliveira really should be in a number one contender fight. As much as I just said about Ferguson, and I mean, really, it probably should be Oliveira and Ferguson to be honest. Like that probably actually makes more sense. But I know that they're planning on doing something big with Chandler for his debut. So um, because then, like, you got Dan Hooker there too. But obviously, Dan Hooker, you know, has lost to Poirier, but. That would be a fucking sick rematch. So, but, I mean, they got they got to do Dan Hooker and Justin Gaethje, though, right? Like, neither of them have the fight lined up. Oh, God. <laughs> that, God. That's, the, that's the money right there. Um, and even that one, you could you could debate would be a number one contender fight. No, that's, um, what, that's what we're learning, man. Just right now, you're looking at this saying there, there are a few names that probably deserve that, at least to say that they deserve that crack, and then – how many others are a win away like the we've got six seven names here that could be in title fights and there's really 
outside of saying, well, we could nitpick, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're right. Like that, give them a shot. Yeah. Dude, I mean, really, in a perfect scenario, and I know Connor only has, I believe he only has two fights left on his UFC contract right now. But really the the best case scenario, and they they wouldn't do this, but they should do an eight-man tournament and the winner is the champion. Like they like because everyone on this in the top eight all has I mean, I do think Poirier and, and Connor, like if you have to crown a champion like right away, that's that's the fight. But like on paper, all these matchups are like pretty fucking equal and like everyone's like if you had if you had a tournament where you had all the matches we just talked about, you'd wind up running into like, you know, even if you had, you had Dan Hooker and Justin Gaethje in the first round and the winner of that fought the winner of, you know, Ferguson and, and uh, Chandler. And so, I mean, like you're creating dream fights that all make sense. And at the end of it, like the best fighter is the champion. Like you would actually be able to determine out of the top eight who are undisputably the top eight people in the world in that weight right now like that'd be that'd be pretty fucking awesome if they could do something like that like an actual tournament they wouldn't do like a one night tournament because ufc just won't do that kind of stuff anymore but if they spread it out over like a year and you know a lot of things could happen in that year but perfect scenario like i'd love to see something like that no that's me i it takes me back to those the excitement I got from the Pride turn, you know, the Grand Prix and all that. I loved all that. It just feels like you said that's something that they're, the UFC is, would rather have, you know, we'll have eight title changes with eight, you know, eight big title matches versus a tournament to one story, if you will. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm all about that, man. That, that's, that, it doesn't, I, I don't know if it would get much better than that eight, that eight fighter tournament. That's like next level shit. Yeah, and then like the the big secret surprise is that the winner of the tournament actually fights Habib, and then we're all just back to square one. Yeah, and Habib <laughs> in Russia is like the big like the big promo, and it's like the flag, and there he is, and it's like I come for my title, and boom, fucking Habib is in the ring when the lights come back, that kind of shit. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Imagine a scenario where like Charles Charles Oliveira as like the the least expected like the story you know like subs everyone on his way to the championship and it's like oh my god charles Oliveira did it and then like yeah you but you gotta fight a beam it's like oh fuck although i will say Oliveira is the only one i think that has a style that has like any chance to beat habib i'm not saying i'd pick him over habib but like he's the only one that like might be able to verdoom him, you know, like like the fate or verdoom. Like may, maybe he could catch him, but no one else. No knows. way, no way. After what we saw this last one, I'm never. I don't. I don't think anyone. I will never question Habib. My my prediction for every fight for the future of him is Habib by whatever the fuck he wants to do. That's fair. What about GSP though? Um, you know, I. Before GSP's last fight with Bisbing, I would say Habib easily, but that the GSP I saw that night was something so special. I think I'd still, I think I'd still say Habib. The age difference, I think, just the generation versus generation. I'll take, I'll take that that crazy son of a bitch that like wrestles bears and grizzlies, and <laughs> any human being he wants. Yeah, it's understandable. That's like, a money I'm, fight, though, man. Even for someone like me, that I, I usually nitpick those kind of. 
quote unquote super fights. I, that's, I mean, that is as super fight as it gets right now. And it, it, again, no matter how, how old GSP is, no matter how many years of quote unquote rust you might see, what we saw him, I mean, that's his last fight might be my favorite performance minus that stretch when he was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you 100%. But, but yeah, incredible uh, stuff out of the lightweight division. RDA wins. Paul Felder's the fucking dude. Uh, co main event action, one of our, we, we mentioned earlier, one of our catch weights. Abdul Razak Al Hassan came in uh, a little heavy. Chaos Williams didn't give a shit. He wasn't being paid by the hour. 30-second knockout punch. It was all over social media. If you didn't see any other thing from this night, I guarantee you saw this knockout. Uh, how big was the pop in the Jensen household when that fucking <laughs> connected? Dude, that was uh, that was super impressive because it didn't look like anything. Out- it was just like a straight right hand, and it, it just it landed perfect. And the the power he must have generated because Al Hassan was out stiff on the ground, like. It was yeah, done. like he knocked him the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to like, I'm not, you know, I don't mean to be like funny about that. You know what I mean? But it's like, that's, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. Like chaos Williams just must have just either whether it's, I mean, maybe, maybe he just, the, the precision and power, I, I, I don't know what to say. Because he just he just not he knocked him out cold. It, it just basically one punch, thirty seconds, just bam. It didn't look like anything that we hadn't seen a trillion times. But just, I mean, just landed, he just landed perfect and hit him hard as hell. And I mean, it was it was incredibly impressive because Al Hassan was pretty heavily favored too. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, the the story going in was the weight, but yeah, he was definitely the favorite. Uh, and and then you're seeing now the clicks. You're seeing everything on the internet saying, you know, he one of the scariest knockout artists. I saw something about this or that, and it was just because of what you said. It's something we've seen how many countless times before. Uh, not not this night though. The complete total uh, fucking knockout. Twenty six year old Chaos Williams, bro. Uh, eight wins in a row now. His record, believe, is eleven and one. Um, and he's a welterweight, right? We, we, anytime we get talking about these divisions, welterweight's right up there. Where so RDA, who just had an impressive performance at lightweight, is technically the twelfth best welterweight right now. You've got Nate Diaz there, yeah, Showtime, yeah, Robbie Lawler. Uh, how you know how high or low, depending on the term, for next for Chaos Williams? Are you saying a, a ranked opponent next, or maybe someone just right? You know, say six ranked sixteen, seventeen, eighteen next. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, like, but like kind of to your point with like all the clicks and, and, uh, the buzz that he created over the weekend, yes, I work. mean, I, I think that I could see him fighting a top 15 guy. Um, I don't know who exactly, I know Robbie Lawler had to pull out of his upcoming yep. fight with, uh, I can't remember who he was supposed to fight. Was it, uh, it was, um, Perry, Perry, Mike Perry. Yep. Yeah. So uh but i mean maybe when lawler's ready i mean i i would i'd put chaos in, i mean but it's like fuck do you want to do that to lawler like if this guy is who people think he might be yeah. like that was um, my next point yeah 
that would have been a good point. Like, because yeah, I don't know. Maybe you put him in there with like a Jeff Neal. That's a pretty big fucking leap, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Because again, we're talking about scary knockout power, right? But like, you just what, how much can you take off a thirty second knockout when we're talking about? I mean, you know, top ten in one of the scariest divisions, you know, in the entire UFC. Right, exactly. Because like, if you look at that bottom half of the top fifteen, like the guy, it's it's wild. Like, because Lawler, it's like you would have to favor Lawler, but if he Lawler's chin is obviously more suspect than it was before and stuff. So it's like, do you want to see someone make a name off Robbie Lawler like that? Like, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Could though, but but it could. I feel like Anthony Pettis is someone who has his wits about him a little bit better in the cage still. I yeah. think that I think that Pettis but but then I'm looking at a situation. It's it's really wild how I kind of look at it right now cuz cuz like you're not fighting Nate Diaz obviously. No. Nate, Nate only takes big fights. RDA is not going to be fighting at that weight class. And then I look at names like Jeff Neal and Vicente Luque and it's like that's that's a huge a huge leap for me like I and I never really noticed it, but there was a pretty big, I don't know. I don't want to shit on Robbie Lawler, though, because Robbie Lawler is still the fucking man. Like, I, I love the guy. Like, and he's one of the best ever, like, uh, career-wise. Like, love the guy. But I feel like there's a pretty big fucking gap between where Robbie Lawler's at right now and where, like, Jeff Neal is. And they're... And if and if you don't... And if you're not looking at Nate or RDA in those rankings, we're talking about, like, a two or three position difference Uh in the rankings and i feel like because i feel like if jeff neal fought robbie lawler right now jeff neal would destroy him that's just me just personally just speaking i'd say the same about vicente luque um so my point of of bringing up saying all this is for someone like chaos williams like i i guess i'd I'd be comfortable with him maybe fighting like a robbie lawler but even like anthony i think anthony pettis would still like that's a that's such a big jump but there's but but there's not going to be that much space between where he at where he's at right now in fighting these guys, so I yeah it, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting because he's gonna be he's gonna be in a sink or swim scenario very soon probably is what's gonna happen he's about to get in here with one of these guys and he he's either gonna get in there with the Jeff Neal or Vicente Luque and they're gonna just completely destroy him and send him right back down to fighting like top twenty guys. Or he's gonna come in and like do the same thing he did to Al Hassan to one of these guys and like become a contender. Like it's gonna. So I think we're I, we're gonna find out pretty quick probably about this guy. I think you're absolutely right. It just it's it's after this impressive of a performance, all the talk. I feel like we will. I think we're gonna see him with one of these names, uh, and we'll see how that goes. But not you know the, the outside of. Uh, Outside of Felder, you know, swooping in and, and, and being Superman and saving this show uh, in this main event, no doubt about it, the most talked about thing was this knockout by Chaos Williams, got him uh, $50,000 richer with the performance of the night. I forgot to mention, uh, our main event was the fight of the night, so uh, Felder comes in and, and gets fifty grand extra. Uh, of course, RDA happy with that as long as his, his winning uh, and, uh, you know, he, a nice main event purse, hopefully for both those to begin with. Um, yeah, big win for chaos Williams again, 30 seconds. I expect him in, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, that might be, 
that might be the one thing that keeps this from if kind of these names are more, you know, Showtime. I'm, I'm, I've not heard a lot of rumors about him. I know he fought what it's been a couple of months now that he fought Cowboy. Um, so maybe, I mean, that's one, too. Again, we're like, I could see Showtime almost in that gatekeeper spot. But, uh, you know, this Chaos Williams we saw that, I mean, that's one punch knockout. Uh, that That's, I don't know, I'd be interested. But again, I, it keeps going back to... You know, how many times have we seen Showtime? Like, that, that's a vet, you know, at this point. That just feels like a big leap from where we were uh, just a few days ago. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's going to, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but, and I think, I mean, I just for what it's worth, I think Showtime Pettis still, he still shows flashes of greatness. He does. Well, he's, he's not, he's 32, 33. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, yeah. there are a lot of miles on that guy. There are a lot of big fights on that guy. Um, but yeah, man, like, you know, and then it's it's always the argument, too, we have with ourselves where you, oh, man, you point out the losses and you start looking at names and you're like, damn, the majority of these are like, this is cream of the crop losses for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, I know you were there live also. I did not expect him to knock out Wonderboy Cole. No. In Nashville. Like, oh my God. And that showed a lot to me. I was like, holy shit. OK, he's he might be better off of welterweight now. And. He's kind. He's found a new life there. So, I mean, look at RDA. Like, welterweight didn't work out for RDA, but when he came back down to lightweight just now to fight Felder, he looks fucking ten years younger. Like he. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, he's 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 still very much. I, yeah, it's wild. It's wild to see how some of these guys are are still holding up, and I love to see it. Like, as long as these guys have their wits about them. Yes. And they're not in their, their brains aren't going on them and stuff like that's or their body. You know what I mean? Like, if I, I don't want to see people getting into situations where they're, you know, they're compromising their future, like men, mental, mental and, and physical and all that stuff. But but if you're still I mean, some of these guys, I mean, they fuck. I thought Anthony Pettis was done like two years ago. I'm going to be honest. Same. And, and now I'm like. Fuck, he's he's always gonna be like two or three big wins away from like title contention, like no matter what weight class, because he's got the name, he's a former champion, and on any given night, he can go out there and, and knock out some of the best people in the world. Yeah, you know, we've seen it before again that that knockout uh, over Wonder Boy, one of my favorites, um, because it's just out of did not see it coming, would not have believed you if you told me it was gonna happen, um, but like this this chaos williams knockout we you know 30 seconds again i keep saying it because it was so it just caught me so out off guard uh but something for sure we'll be talking about the end of the year when it's uh knockout of the year time uh right in the center of this uh main card was a women's strawweight fight ashley yoder getting the unanimous decision win including a 30 26 scorecard over miranda granger uh you know, pretty clear-cut win there. Um, anything you wanted to point out in the Yoder win? Um, I mean, it was it was dominant. And what was funny about this was when it happened live, when Bruce Buffer read out the scorecards, he said 29-27, 29-27, 27-26. Like, he read it out wrong. And so, like, the internet went nuts because they were like, <laughs> how the fuck can somebody score this at 27-26? Like, this is the worst scorecard in the history of, of fighting and blah, blah, blah. And then it turned out that Buffer actually just, he meant to say 30-26 and accidentally said 27-26. So, um, 
That was really the most notable thing about this fight, to be honest. <laughs> Outside of like, I mean, Yoda just dominated. It wasn't, you know, she just she went in there, she got the job done. Like, she needed the win. She was coming off of two losses. One of those losses was to Rana Marcos, who fought on the undercard of this show. And when she lost to Marcos, I, I remember thinking that Yoder actually won that fight. It was a split decision loss. So, but that all being said, yeah, Yoder went in there, got the job done. There's not really a whole lot more to, to say than uh, she looked really good and she really needed the win. Super dominant. Uh, yeah, you said it, man. Um, finished up these last two of the main card. Uh, Sean Strickland in a catch weight at 195 uh, beats Brendan Allen, TKO punches in the second round and then the main card got kicked off with a women's strawweight bout where uh we actually so this was the second time on the main card two and oh the non-wikipedia pages over wikipedia pages Corey mckenna over k hansen unanimous decision though all three store score cards had it 29 28 uh, you know, I'm sure the the Strickland uh, the Strickland finish you want you, you know stuck with you. That was the other performance of the night, uh, 50k to Sean Strickland. Yeah, and that was a fight that got added to the card uh, fairly late, and it was a really good matchup, Strickland and Allen. I actually thought Allen was going to win going into it. I thought he was a little more well rounded, but I was very wrong about that one. Uh, Strickland, I mean, both guys are have a lot of potential. They're both very good. Uh, Strickland, I think, was I know he fought a who did he fight that was like it was really notable. Usman, duh. Uh, he lost a decision to Usman a couple years back, and just to go the distance with Usman, knowing who Usman is now, I mean that that really really means something. Yes, but um, but yeah, big win for Strickland. Looked really really good. Um, he has more buzz now than he has you know going into the show, and you know he's he's gonna get some big fights. And to be honest, when RDA and Felder was announced as the fight of the night, like I wasn't mad about it because obviously I'm a fan of both guys. But to me, the best fight of the show was Corey McKenna versus Kay Hansen. This was a really close fight. It was a unanimous decision, but I really thought it could have gone either way. And I'm not, and, and McKenna deserved to win, by the way. Like this isn't me being like Hansen was robbed, nothing like that. Um, I think McKenna did, did enough to win for sure. But it was it was just a good close fight between two girls who are like they're going to be the future of that strawweight division. Like both are young and they're uh, this was I I think I saw <clears throat> I think it was Mike Bond from MMA Junkie tweeted something during this fight that was uh, to the effect of this is the lowest combined age of any UFC fight in history because like the total age was like 40 or like 42 or something between the two of them. So, um, both, both girls are super good fighters and uh, Hanson, this loss doesn't hurt her. Uh, she's like 20 or 21 or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, they're both, they're both great. And this fight was awesome. And I really thought that not, not only do I think they deserve the fight of the night, because I think it was the best actual fight because, because I, in my opinion, RDA beat Felder all five rounds, um, this McKenna and Hanson fight, like those are two girls that you know could have really used that fifty thousand. You know, now now then again, the UFC also does tend to pay people under the table, and they don't report it, um, and they give like they'll give cash bonuses to to people and not say anything about it. Um, so there's always the potential that these two girls got got paid a little extra, and I hope that was the case because like 
I really think that they deserved it. They they really they really had a really good fight, and and McKenna getting that win is, is just huge for her. So, um, and then like on the prelims, I just want to bring this up real quick because Randa Marcos, I don't I don't know what they need to. I mean, I I don't know if you've looked at her record or in front of you, but I have. Yeah, I mean, I was saying this before the fight, like. Like I, because I actually chose um, Murata to win in the in the predictions, and Murata actually, just fun fact for wrestling fans, Murata actually trained in the same dojo as Toru Yano of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling fame. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of funny, but uh, but Marcos, man, like you got you got to cut her. She. I, 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 I don't want to say that, though. Like, I hate imply. Like, I don't want people to lose their jobs. Like, I fucking don't. I shouldn't have said that. But 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 when you look at her record, she's fought in the UFC 16 times and she's lost at, at least half of them. And a lot of the time it really isn't close. It's a lot of unanimous decisions and submission losses. It's like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I feel like the there, there's got to be someone that could be that can be showcased in these spots that that has a chance, you know, like being a champion one day or something. I just, Mar- I, I'm sorry to say, I really fucking sound like an asshole saying that, but it's like just being real about it. Like her record's terrible. Well, just to, yeah, to, to paint a picture, she entered the UFC, uh, her first fight in the octagon on December of 2014. She entered the UFC at four and one. Uh, she eventually worked that up. She was about seven and four. Then she goes to eight and five currently 10, 10 and one. So you hate, again, don't want to wish a loss of job on anyone, but from a business standpoint, you know, from four and one to 10, 10 and one. Um, I don't know about that brother. Yeah. I mean, the only wins that, so like I said, she beat Ashley Yoder. Yep. But but that was a split decision. That really could have won Yoder's way. The Angela Hill win, that's impressive. I will, I'll give her props for that all day. Um, outside of that, the only other impressive victory she has is Carla Esparza. And that was a split decision that could have won either way. So, like, really her only definitive victory in the UFC over anyone notable is Angela Hill. I mean, I... I and like I said, Angela Hill's a great fighter. And to be fair, like, you know, she's losing recently to people like Claudia Gadelia, Amanda Hebos, Mackenzie Dern. But these are also women that like, like Mackenzie Dern. Um, oh, well, Mackenzie Dern's actually been, she's been looking really good lately. She came in with a lot of hype and, uh, but she actually has looked good lately. I will give her credit. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, but yeah, I think we're both on the same page there. It's just one of those things where like I'm I'm not I don't want to come out of here and say cut random markers, like don't like I don't want anyone losing their job. But if there's a possibility of her, you know, maybe finding if she wants to keep fighting, I mean I'm sure there's other companies that will hire her if she's not with the UFC anymore. And she'll probably wind up actually making more money there than she does with the UFC because she can go get her sponsors. So Yes. Um, you know, if she wants to keep fighting, I just don't I there is a th- I mean, it's just it just has to be said, though. Right. Like if you're the top organization in the world, if you're like the New York Yankees in baseball or whatever, you know, I, that's a bad example because I'm really out of the loop with baseball. But like you have a certain amount of roster spots. And, uh, and if like you know that there's 
people who can potentially win you world championships and you have certain people on your roster that have been there for a long time and have not advanced past a certain level and you see potential in someone else, like there's only so many roster spots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, and, it is. It, it does. It, it feels like that spot could be filled. Um, even though I hate to say it. Well, because this is, you know, people might think, you know, who cares, but like, this is the the main event of the of a prelim card, which a lot of people are on ESPN Plus, and this is the lead in to the main show. So like this is a lot of people watch the last fight before the main show starts. That's why people like Uriah Faber, for instance, he's publicly said before like he prefers like if it's a pay per view even if if he knows he's going to be like the first or second fight on a pay per view, he'll request to be the main event of the prelims. Because more people are going to probably watch that anyways. True. That's the thing. It's not just that, like, Marcos is on the roster. It's that she's getting, like, the main event of the prelims. She's getting, like, on the pay-per-view and stuff like that. When it's, like, surely there are... I shouldn't say surely. I mean, there's definitive proof. Like, if I pulled up the women's strawweight division, she is... She's unranked. And... Every woman ahead of her looks, I think, all these, including including Angela Hill, who she's lost to. I think in a rematch, Angela Hill probably back. Um, none of these women, most of these women aren't really being, like, featured. Well, I shouldn't say that. A lot of them are. But my point is, you know, I don't really, I'll put it this way. I don't know much about Livin' Ha Souza. She's ranked number 15 at strawweight. I'd probably know a lot more about her if she would have been in the main event of the prelims this weekend. But Randa Marcos wasn't said. You know what I'm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Again, this is the business side. This is the side that no one wants to talk about. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we can get off that. But, um. But yeah, I mean, just every now and then, I feel like I just got to get real with that kind of stuff. Like it's just you just gotta. I don't know. I'm trying to be as nice as I can about it, but. <laughs> But 16 fucking fights in the UFC, that's a long time to prove yourself, you yeah, know? Yeah, 10, 10 one <laughs> we, we've, been, we've gone through a lot to just be here. Uh, so I, I totally get it. Outside of the, the main event of the prelim of the card, we had three other fights all going to decision. Uh, the big story we were, we had going in our uh, Wikipedia page versus non-Wikipedia page. Wound up going three and two on the night. We opened two and zero. Oh. Uh, Alex Morano, Dante Mays, both uh, blue names on their on the Wikipedia card, <laughs> got wins. And then Tony Gravely uh, made it 2-1 uh, in our Bantamweight division, a split decision win. Uh, so that one could have went either way. But overall, on the night, non-Wikipedia pages ended up going 1-2-3 to the, uh, the two uh, with Wikipedia pages. So I believe... There's still there's still stuff there. The three two more wins than losses, man. There's something to this formula we've got going. I know. I, if you've been listening to this show, it's it's a running theme, and it's something y'all should definitely be paying attention to. Because a lot of the time, the non Wikipedia pages are the underdogs on the Vegas yeah. betting lines. So um, if you want to bet on some fights, and you're listening to our show, we. It's it's been it's a trend that's been happening for a minute now. A lot of these people without Wikipedia pages are outperforming the people with them. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, just trying to help you. Just trying to help you. Uh, uh, again, all, all decision wins. Only the gravely uh, split decision there. Bantamweight, everything else unanimous across the board. 
Uh, again, the fight of the night was already a Paul Felder, though. I, I, again, I'm with I'm with Steven. I think that uh, that strawweight, the women's strawweight fight, uh, should have got it. It was, uh, you know, probably the closest of the night. I mean, very back and forth. Um, and then, uh, you know, Chaos Williams, Sean Strickland, the performance of the night, 50,000 to all of those competitors. Uh, saw a night of fights, man. You ready to uh, you ready to dive a little bit into 255? Yeah, man. Let's do some predictions. Prediction time. It is UFC 255 coming live to your pay-per-view. Yeah, we are not on ESPN. Well, I guess, yeah, we're still on ESPN. I'm still not used to that. I'm so used to, like, buying the pay-per-view, but I guess we're still on ESPN+. Plus. Um, this was supposed to be Figgy versus Cody No Love, of course. It is not. Alex Perez is in. Figgy defending the flyweight title. It's co-main event, women's flyweight action with uh, Valentina Shevchenko defending her title against Jennifer Maya. Platinum Mike Perry versus Tim Means. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian back in action against Cynthia Calvallo. And then uh, opening up the main card, Shogun Hua, Paul Craig. Uh, it's a damn good main main card there, bro. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, this is uh, the opener with Hua and Craig. That's a rematch because they fought to a draw before. And so I'm really looking forward to that one. And it was like a legit draw. It wasn't like, it was like just a dead even fucking fight. Um so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Paul Craig's like the dark horse of that division to me, like always, because like a light heavyweight, like there's, I mean, there's a lot of big names and stuff, but like that division is still pretty open with how things have worked out, especially with Jones leaving. So like Craig and Craig's skill set is very, uh, it's very, uh, I know I've used the word wild card a couple of times, but it, but it really is like his submission game is great. And, and who is just a fucking legend. I mean, he's still fighting at a high level. So, I mean, that's a fucking awesome fight. Um, Perry and Tim Means, that'll wind up being... I mean, it was supposed to be him and Lawler. Perry and Lawler, we mentioned that before. But Tim Means is a pretty damn good replacement on short notice. Yeah, this is fun. And, yeah, I mean, I will say this, though. Um, we'll break, We'll do predictions for each fight here in a second. I would, But it's... I was talking uh, on Twitter a little bit with Chris Taylor, who is... Yeah, fellow Vikings fan, uh, but also more importantly, he's a um, he's like the lead writer for BJPen.com, and he was asking if people thought if this if this pay per view would sell under or over two hundred thousand pay per view buys, and I was I said probably way under, yeah, um, because you know no casual fan's gonna buy this. And most hardcore fans, I think, are going to stream it. I don't think they're going to pay $50 or 60 something dollars or whatever for HD or whatever it is. So, like, um, it's unfortunate because it is, on paper, These there are a lot of really, really good fights. And I'll definitely be watching. But I'm just going to throw that out there, too. Like, this would have been the fucking bomb as just, like, an ESPN Plus free show. Like, this would have been... Like, yeah. Or just, like, on ESPN, rather. Just, like, on cable television. Like, this would have been fucking amazing. Um, but as a pay-per-view... Because it would sucks, too, right? Because, like, Fig is fucking killing it. It's yes. just... You mentioned it. Him and him and No Love, like, that was a fight that would sell. Alex Perez... Like, and even that's debatable. Like, Alex Perez... I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve a title shot, but, like, Brandon Marino is ranked number two. Alex Perez is ranked number four. They were supposed to fight each other on this show. And when No Love went down, they chose Alex Perez instead of Marino. And I'm like, well, what the fuck are the rankings for then? 
Like, the guys were supposed to fight each other on the show. Marino's ranked higher. Why wouldn't Marino get the chance? So, so you have a guy who's ranked lower than the title challenger on the prelim main event. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If I was watching... You know, if I was watching that show as as a casual viewer, there won't be many of them for this show. But if if there there is, and I'm watching that, and I'm like paying attention, I'm watching the prelims, and this Brandon Marino guy goes out there, oh number two flyweight, okay, that's pretty cool. Then you get you know a few hours past, you get to the main event, and it's like doing the introductions, Alex Perez number four, and you're like, wait wait a second, was not the Marino guy from before was right higher than him? How why is you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. It feels to me, just looking at their records, looking at what we've got, it almost feels like that it's that we're hostage to the moment. So if we're just, let's be crazy for a second and, and say, let's look at 2020, this weird year as a whole. Uh, 2-0, and Alex Perez, 2-0, and both performance of the night, both finishes. He has a, both first draft finishes, technical submission, arm triangle choke back in January. And then, of course, the the Formiga TKO from leg kicks uh, just a couple months ago back in June. Uh, so that just feels to me like maybe because he's been here during the COVID year, uh, done very well. Because outside of that, I think there's not much else for me to point at. I mean, both are on winning streaks. Uh, both have beat Formiga this year. That was uh, that was um, Brandon Marino's one uh, one win so far back in March of this year. He beat uh, he beat Juicy back. Um, when they were in Brazil, uh, uh, Lee versus Olivier was the uh, or Oliveira, excuse me, was the main event. So, uh, not a lot to look at there, other than I guess Perez has had a better twenty twenty. Which take that for what you will. Yeah, I mean, and I know some people have pointed out that for when Perez beat Formiga by TKO and Marino beat him by decision. So, like, if you're looking at the same opponent True. as their last opponent, I, I, I and I get all those arguments. My and I, and I won't, like, I'm not really mad about it. It's just one of those things that's like... No, it doesn't make sense. If you look at it and it, you're just, you are, you're going, what? Well, because in, for this, the same logic, like, if using the same line of thinking as that, then why wasn't Perez ranked two and Marino was ranked four? Boom. You know? Like, so the rankings just don't make sense then. Which, which like, they don't already. Like, I, there's been plenty of problems with the rankings historically. Like, it, don't get me wrong. But it's one of those things where, like, that's the whole point of having rankings. Because you want people who are watching on television to know the order of, of what they're, of, like, who they're watching fight. And, and try to, and, and that's how you determine the contenders for the title. Now, great, obviously, the UFC can do whatever they want. They can book whoever they want in any title fight, regardless of ranking, usually. Paul Felder got boxed out that one time, and Ally Aquenta got the shot, um, which was really hilarious, um, <laughs> how that how that somehow happened. Right. Um, like, you can have CM Punk fighting in the octagon, but, like, Paul Felder's not allowed to fight for the title because he's not ranked high enough. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But, anyways, the the, the point being... So what's the why have rankings at all? Like because this would be the literally the perfect example. Two guys who are not only both ready to fight, they were going to fight each other on this show anyways. So why wouldn't you just take the person who's ranked highest? Like I I, I but I get it. Like I do understand the line that line of thinking, but once again, by the same logic. I have to point at the UFC and be like, okay, well, if that's how you're thinking, then why are they, why aren't the rankings flipped for these two? Um, so anyways, 
I also heard people making the argument um, that Alex Perez is on a three-fight winning streak. Brandon Moreno has only won two in a row. But I'm also like, yeah, that's technically true. But like, is this it, one of he, he'd be four in a row if he hadn't had a split draw? And a, and a draw isn't a win, but it also isn't a loss. You know, like that's a good it, point. You know, so like, if that split draw goes one point one direction, he's on a fight fight or sorry, a four fight winning streak versus a three fight winning streak. You know, like, and if you don't count the draw at all, which I kind of don't, I'd say he is on a three fight winning streak and he, there's a draw in there as well, but he didn't lose that fight. So I don't know. But anyways, I mean, I, I think it's, it's still a good matchup, uh, but I think Fig's going to smoke him. So, I yeah, just, no, that's the, yeah, I think that's the main, the main prediction here is. Uh, a good spot for Perez to be in, right? You're getting a uh, main event, a pay-per-view, but heavy, a heavy underdog in there uh, with somebody who so confident, uh, so good coming off. He's beat Joseph Benavidez twice in 2020, uh, Tim Elliott before that last year. Uh, funny enough, the last loss for Figgy is, you guessed it, Juicier Formiga. Um, yeah, I know. How funny is that? Like <laughs> how that, how that worked out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I think we're all probably on the same page with Fig right now. Yeah, he's, it, yeah, he's, he's just looking great. Hard to bet against. He's going to retain. Um, actually it's funny enough that we were talking about the Shogun Craig fight. I know we'll pick it in a second, but literally there, that, that draw was a year ago today, a year ago today. Uh, and we'll have the rematch in just a few more. I just, Love that little shit like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, co-main event, uh, Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. Uh, of course, the flyweight title on the line. Where are you leaning with that one? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was probably the most disrespectful laugh I've ever made on a podcast. If, uh, I, could, if I could gift that <laughs> laugh, I would. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Shevchenko. If, I mean, this, this would be... You want to talk about underdogs? I'd imagine that the Maya Shevchenko line is probably even wider than it is for Perez and Fig. Agreed. Like Maya, it's going to be like Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm levels of. And on paper, this is actually like not even that close of a like Ronda and Holly Holm was a closer fight on paper than this to me. Uh, now, the what Maya has going for is the ground game. So if this somehow makes it to the ground and Shevchenko gets lost on the ground and I, I Maya, I guess, could tap her, like maybe. Um, I do not see Maya knocking her out. I do not see Maya winning no. a decision. Uh, yeah. And, and and this is where I have to bring up Laura Murphy because she's the one who brought up the point and she's super on the money. Laura Murphy has is, is been you know rallying for a title shot or even just a true number one contender fight. And she brought up the point of Jen when Jennifer Maya was announced for the title, she publicly was like, Hey, she's one and one in her last two fights, which is true. She lost to Jennifer or sorry, she lost to Kaylin Chikagi and then she beat Joanne Calderwood. Um in her, so she's one and one in her last two, and she's missed weight in two of her last three. And she's getting a title shot. Which is like that's a pretty fucking good point to bring up. Um I don't and here's the other thing. I know she just joined the weight class, but Jessica Andrade came in and knocked out Caitlin Chukagian like it was nothing. 
I think that they should have just been Andrade. Like, put Andrade in there with Shevchenko. Like, Andrade is a former champion of Bantamweight. We know she has the knockout power to at least make it interesting. And she has, like, the title experience and stuff. Like, like that's a good fight. But I fully expect Valentina Shevchenko to just... I don't think this is going to be even somewhat competitive. It's just going to be... I don't know. It's going to be Shevchenko via however she wants to do this. Yeah. One of those, however she wants to end this, um, uh, yeah, Valentina to to uh, to defend that title. Uh, welterweight action, Mike Perry. We talked about Tim Means stepping in. Uh, this is an interesting one for me. I know you know Tim Means not afraid to get uh, to get dirty. We've seen Mike Perry uh, not quite the same. I'm just gonna throw and if we die, we die. Coming off that decision win over Mickey Gall back in June. Uh, where are you thinking on on uh, on Mike Perry, Tim Means? Man, I mean it's a it's a tough one to call because I I think that I mean I expect someone to get finished in this. But, I do. I agree. But they're also I mean like they're both also tough as hell. Like people can say whatever they want about Mike Perry, and and a lot of that's going to be justified. Like the guy's <laughs> insane. Yeah, the guy's insane. Um, but. As far as the prediction, I'm going to go Tim Means. I, I like Means a lot. He's he's tough. He's a veteran, uh, like a veteran of MMA. Um, and he, uh, stylistically, it's, I think it's just going to be two guys slugging it out. And I just think Tim Means is going to get the better of it. I I, I but I could I could say the same the other way though too. Like I could really make the same prediction. For me, it's basically a 50 50. Tw- this is this is similar to like like when Vanderlei Silva fought Chris Lieben. And it was like, okay, this fight's going to be like one minute long and it's going to be just the two of them swinging for the fences. Both of their jaws are compromised at this point, but both still have knockout power. So someone's just going to go down and Lieben knocked out Vanderlei and it was exactly what we expected. Um, That's kind of like this. I just feel like we kind of know what we're going to get out of this, but I don't really know who's going to be the one to draw, you know, but I'm going to take Tim Means. I'm leaning more towards Means as well. Uh, I want to pick Perry just for the crazy a- aspect of it, but I'll go with the vet. I'll go with Dirty Bird, Tim Means, who uh, this will be his third third fight of 2020. So shout out Tim Means. Moving on to the uh, women's flyweight division, we've got Caitlin Chukagian, Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, big fight for, for, for Cynthia especially. We've seen Caitlin, I'm double-checking, and this is her fourth fight of of the uh, the year, if, if you will. She's fought uh, what about, lost to Valentina, beat uh, Anto- Antonina Shevchenko, and then uh, just what a month ago, almost a month ago to the day, the loss to Jessica Andrade for Chukagian, looking to come back and get back on the the winning side of things. Um, sorry, I missed the last part. What you said was it a prediction for Chukagian Calvillo. Yeah, yeah, that Chukagian, we saw her last uh, about a month ago in that loss to Andrade, um, but but yeah, back in action <laughs> right. against Cynthia. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, this is another one that's kind of hard to choose, but, like, I'm going to go Calvillo. Um, she's looked really good, and the thing with Calvillo from, like, a couple years ago, and I don't know if she's still having to deal with this or if, like, I don't remember exactly what the what the – resolution wound up being but she was one of those fighters who was getting suspensions for like thc at one point and it was like 
as she was really starting to make a name for herself, it kind of got put on hold because she was failing for weed. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, for fucking, like, and I, I don't mean that against Calvillo, by the way. Like, I think that all these fighters should be able to smoke all the fucking weed they want. Like, the fact that she was having to deal with USADA and shit because of weed was just, it just sucked. Um, and Calvillo, I just think she's a really good fighter. I think Jukakin's a good fighter as well, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for her, like, I don't know where she's at mentally. I, I don't have any reason to believe she won't be there mentally, but like when you lose this to the champion, devastating fashion, you know, just get ground and pounded to hell. And, you know, you beat the champion's sister after that, but that doesn't really mean nearly the, doesn't really mean much to be totally honest. And then Antonina Shishenko is a decent fighter, but you know what I mean? And then you go out there and just, just Andrade just destroys you. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. You got so you basically have someone in Calvillo who's probably got a lot of confidence right now coming off of a decision over Jessica I. And then you got Chukagian who's coming off of, you know, she's two is one and two in her last three, and it's a title loss. And I mean, now granted, they're two two are like the best women who fight. I mean, this is there's no shame in losing those fights, but to have to try to make that climb back up and for the next test to be someone as good as Calvillo, that's that's a tough challenge, I think. And uh and I think Calvillo is gonna take advantage of, of all of that. And I think she's I think she's probably just the better fighter at the end of the day as well. So I'm I'm gonna take Calvillo. Yeah, I know I'm with you. You said it uh summed it up perfectly again. Uh Cynthia sitting at nine one and one. Uh yeah, the the loss to Carla as far as the December twenty seventeen, our only loss, that's where she did. Pop for marijuana metabolites. Didn't fight for for nearly a year after that. Uh, since then, uh, just that draw back in December of last year, which she has missed weight a couple of times. True, um, true. Since you know, since you, you said that they're kind of her, her rise, if you will, after especially after that that decision went over JoJo back in 2017. But yeah, missed weight a couple of times. I think I think she gets the job done. Gets a nice win over Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, light heavyweight division, first fight of the main card, Shogun Hua, Paul Craig, rematch since the draw. Uh, what are you thinking, bro? Whew. I mean, it's a really good fight, uh, obviously. I mean, the two fought to, to a draw before, and since then, Paul Craig uh, beat Anna Gulov, and Shogun beat Lil Nog in a really close fight. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, this fight makes sense, too. I mean, like, I, I really like it. I'm going to take Paul Craig. Same. I, I, I just think he has more ways to win. Now, I think Shogun has it has more likely to knock him out. But I think, and obviously Shogun's got good jiu-jitsu, but Paul Craig, he's real creative with it. Like, he pulls off, like, triangles kind of out of nowhere and stuff. Like, I, I really like Paul Craig's skill set. And I love that Bear Jew nickname. I think that's great. Um, I, I, uh... But I, I mean, obviously, I, I'd be happy to see Shogun win. This, this is a win-win. This is a people's, a people's main event type fight. Um, we've already seen them you know, literally have a draw, so like we know it's a good matchup, and uh, they're both fan favorites, and and they have a lot of respect for each other as well. So that adds to it too, because like both guys, they want to win, but like at the end of the day, they they have like ultimate respect for one another as well. So it's, it's just really cool all around for that one. But yeah, I'm gonna take Paul Craig. Yeah, give me give me the Bear Jew. Uh, I love watching him fight. I think that'd be a such a 
I mean, I'm a big Shogun guy, so any anytime a fighter I like, let alone someone like Craig, who I'm checking age, 32 years old, uh, sitting on a 13-4-1 record, so uh, it's just got to be cool. Again, he's around our age. You know there's a lot of respect for Shogun. Uh, um, you know, it just has to be. He, he was there. He, he saw that rise that we did of Mauricio Shogun, who also... Uh, I'm excited for it again. Like you, you said it, man. Uh, this is one of the fights uh, I'm really, really excited about. Oddly enough, uh, we don't, I know we're not going to pick the you know all the prelims, but I did want your thoughts. We mentioned him, Brandon Marino, main eventing the the prelim card against Brandon Royval. I'm really fired up for this fight. I, I'm, I'm 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 exactly with you that you know Marino. If you're ranked where he's ranked, uh, he should be in the main main event, the main the real main event, but. Uh, this this prelim uh, main event over on ESPN two, I'm I'm really fired up for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a great fight. I like that one a lot. That that probably has the makings of being the best fight on the prelims. Yes. Um, and I I mean I have to pick Marino there. I really, like I mentioned, I feel like he got kind of snubbed out of the title fight, and he's gonna be out to make a statement here. Like especially because Cody Garbrandt's still supposed to get the next shot when when he's healed. So Marino's going to probably have the mindset of like, I need to do something big here to make sure Cody doesn't get that shot before me. And hope, I mean, I shouldn't say hopefully I like Brandon Roval as well, but for Marino's sake, I think that's what he really needs to get go out and do. And I think he's capable of that. Then uh, a couple other things I'd just highlight real quick. I, I think for it's sure. cool to I think it's cool to see Antonina Shevchenko. I, I yes. like, I, I love when her and uh, Valentina fight on the same shows. I think that's pretty cool. And a uh, sleeper fight on the prelims too: Daniel Rodriguez versus Nicholas Dalby. That could be really good. Um, that actually, depending on how that one goes, that's one that like really that could wind up being the fight of the night. That's a really good matchup. And Rodriguez has looked great. I don't even know how many in a row he's won at this point. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's had a nine-fight winning streak. The last four of those, sorry, three of those were in the UFC. Uh, one of them was in the Contender Series as well. And then Nicholas Dalby is a guy that I'm just a fan of. I, I really like him a lot. And, you know, he left the UFC for a long time, and it looked like he'd never come back. And came back, and he beat Charles, sorry, Alex Oliveira um, in, in Denmark. And that was just a great scene. And lost his last fight to Jesse Ronson by RNC, but uh, but Dalby's a he's just a he's a warrior, and he's uh, he's just a really likable guy. And Daniel Rodriguez has just been killing it. So like this is this is a damn good fight that no one's really talking about. I would I would really highlight that. And then also shout out to Alan Jobain, yes, who, <laughs> who's doing the prelims of the early. The, the main event of the early prelims, which is like, that's kind of, I mean, like, it's one of those things where I guess I'd rather be in that spot than, like, where Antonina Shevchenko is at on the card, I guess. Like, you know, you're still, like, the main event of something, kind of. Uh, it gets people to, you know what this probably is? It is people that they're, like, they're trying to just get people on ESPN plus or UFC fight pass to watch Joe Bain. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's, he's a commentator and analyst for them too. Um, for all I know, Joe Bain is going to be fucking analyzing fights later that night after he fights. <laughs> but, uh, it is strange to see him so low, low on the card, but, uh, 
But yeah, I mean that that's the stuff I'd highlight. There, there's a lot of good fights here. It's just it's just unfortunate that like hardly anyone's gonna hardly anyone's gonna watch it, and even fewer are gonna pay for it. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, I'm very excited about Alan Joban. Uh, he's he's always fun to wa- watch. Shout out Tenth Planet Tenth Ju- Planet Jiu Jitsu. Uh, yeah, Eddie Bravo. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm really really. I knew we, we weren't gonna get out of this show without mentioning that Rodriguez Dolby fight. I just want to let everybody know that card or the uh, the prelim card, excuse me, starts at 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock in the Eastern time zone over on ESPN2 because uh, even just for, you know, again, Rodriguez-Dalby, you've got uh, Antonina Shevchenko, you've got Brandon Moreno, Brandon Royal-Val, and then a, the fight we didn't mention, Joaquin Buckley uh, in action um, against Jordan Wright. So a uh, lot to like in those four fights on the prelim card, ESPN2, and then the early Prelim card, I believe, starts about double checking, double checking, 530 Central, 630 Eastern over on Fight Pass. And uh, and yeah, the, the aforementioned Alan Joban back in the cage. Uh, I, I, I know we keep saying it that this may not be a big seller. This may not be watched a ton, but there uh, there's some sneaky good stuff on here. Uh, Steven Jensen, um, I'm excited for it again. That's this Saturday, UFC 255. From the apex, uh, we we did it again, man. Another weekend. Uh, it's been a blast to be on here. Anyone listening that hasn't, please follow me uh, over uh, Mo's KBK on Twitter. I think that's on Instagram and all that. Um, and and yeah, man. Uh, again, uh, had a blast. Always fun to get on here and chatting with you, my man. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing it again. Much appreciated. Anyone wants to follow me, just fight talk underscore on Twitter. F I G H T. T-A-L-K underscore on Twitter. Um, I'll just update everything there. I've been talking long enough today. I don't need to go through all that stuff. But anything that I do, I usually post on my Twitter. So follow me over there. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to this Fight Talk podcast feed. There's more coming every Monday from me and Moe's. Got pro wrestling interviews coming up. Got uh, my Fightful Select Weekender podcast and all that stuff for Fightful. So Be sure to check that stuff out. And uh, once again, I appreciate you coming on, Moe's. And we'll see you next time right here talking some more MMA on Fight Talk.